The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome into this BGN Radio special brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, Michael Kist, and today we have two guests to talk Eagles. First up is going to be Joe Giglio from 94WIP and the Art of the Take podcast. Then after the break, we're going to be talking with Brian Westbrook about the Eagles 2019 expectations and also his partnership with FanDuel. Coming soon on the feed, we'll have fresh pressers from At The Podium, and we'll start to kick off our training camp recaps with BGN Radio. I'll be talking with BLG, May He Forever Rain, over the weekend as well. And early next week, I'm going to be talking with Derek Klassen to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles chapter of the excellent 2019 Football Outsiders Almanac, which is a must-buy every year. Plus, part two of the Rams' Eye on the Enemy coming your way via the Kist and Solak show. Earlier in the week, we had part one, which focused on the offense. Part two will, of course, cover the Rams' defensive side of the ball. All that coming your way as we ramp up towards the 2019 season. Make sure you're following BGN underscore radio on Twitter to keep updated when these shows drop. Make sure you're subscribed on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. And of course, five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts are much appreciated. Thank you again for helping us reach over 1,000 five-star ratings in less than a year of existence since the relaunch. There is a reason BGN is the number one team brand podcast in the universe, and that is you, gentle listener. Thank you for being all we got and all we need. All right, let's kick this puppy off with my talk with Joe Giglio. From 94 WIP and The Art of the Take, it's a pleasure to speak with somebody that you may know from the time that he forced his kids to watch him on television. He is Joe Giglio, a.k.a. Justin Giglio. Joe, how you doing, brother? I'm doing well. How you doing, Mike? I am doing fantastic. Joe, before we get into it, I want to set up the framework of this show because as an avid listener of The Art of the Take, I feel that it's important to let you know that while I may be challenging some of your takes today, I do want to make this a safe take space. Can you kind of explain what The Art of the Take is about and how it guides you in your everyday life? Sure. So The Art of the Take podcast is a podcast for takesmen by takesmen. It really is. I think it is half looking at the industry of having sports opinions from a the perspective of it is kind of ridiculous what we all do because it's all it's it's not that serious. Um, and yeah. then the other side of it is it's kind of breaking down what makes one opinion that could just be generic something that gets people riled up, and then how you kind of frame the same argument that someone else might have, but you frame it a different way, you word it a different way, 
and you have yourself a tank. Tank construction is definitely an art as as I'm finding out and finding myself trying to really craft the way that I tweet now with some of my takes. So I really appreciate the art of the take. I do like what you guys do. And look, let's start off hot and heavy. We got training camp starting for the Eagles and you started off hot and heavy today yourself uh, on Twitter. You said if Carson Wentz is as good as the city has made him out to be, the 2019 Eagles will win the Super Bowl. Now, number one, good construction. I'm here for it. I know what you're going for. I think you got it. But before I kick some questions your way about this, do you care to elaborate on that on that statement, on that tweet? Because Twitter isn't always, again, the most safe take space, not the best place for context. Do you want to elaborate on that? Sure. Well, I mean, there's, there's two aspects to it. The first is, is Carson Wentz. And the tweet itself was kind of setting up the show I'm going to do tonight, which is, you know, it feels like, in Philadelphia right now, Eagles fans, we've got Carson Wentz now back to being an MVP caliber player. And there's some reasons to believe that could happen. He's healthy and there's great weapons around him. But then you look around the rest of, let's say, just the NFL world. And I don't quite think Carson is viewed that way right this moment. Now, a lot of that's probably just because people are hedging due to the injury concerns. But, you know, Mike Sando with The Athletic put out that, that quarterback tier index and he was number 10 overall. And I think right at the start of quarterback two, tier two with, with Matt Ryan. Very good, but not quite the top, top. And then you have all these top 100 lists come out. I know the players had him 96, and, you know, that's, that, that's players. But then I think CBS had him as the 10th best quarterback. So the perspective I have is I think that we have him on a very high pedestal. I think the rest of the league looks at him as very good, very promising. If he stays healthy, he can be great. And my point is, if he's as good as we think he's going to be this year, with how loaded they are around him, they can win the Super Bowl. And I think they will win the Super Bowl if he's really that good again. I think something that's kind of gassed up the fan base is, you know, you you look around the league and it's not everybody, but you look at somebody who is respected in the evaluation community, like a Lewis Riddick, uh, a Daniel Jeremiah, and they're all very high on when Lewis Riddick went as far as saying that he kind of guaranteed that he was going to be the MVP. That was his prediction. So you have that gassing up the fan base too. But is it is it more about the talent around the team with him too that that kind of made you tweet this? Because let's say if if Tom Brady, because I mean, let's the Super Bowl is high expectations. If Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Drew Brees, and we could go on, are they not as good as they're made out to be if they don't win a Super Bowl? Like, that's it's really hard to do in the NFL, right? It is hard to do. And it's a lot of what I was saying and what I think is about the rest of the roster. I mean, they really are. But I have some concerns about their, their pass rush depth, and I hope the offensive line, which is older, um, you know, can stay healthy and, and be really good to protect Wentz and, and set up this offense. But this is as good of a group of weapons as there are in the NFL, especially if Miles Sanders can, you know, contribute at the level I think the Eagles think he can, considering how high they took mm. him. The depth is there everywhere in offense. They have a first-round pick in Andre Dillard that probably could step in when the inevitable Jason Peters injury happens. But the offense loaded. And then the defense, while there's some age there and some concerns, it, it's pretty deep. Like they have, a lot of, they have a lot of options if one thing doesn't go well. And they're in the only division, I think, in the NFC that has two bad teams. I think the Cowboys are pretty good, but there's, the Giants and Redskins are bad. So I think there's bankable wins there. They're going to get them you know, towards the playoffs, and if they're good, maybe towards the bye as well. So I, I add all these things up, and I say if Wentz stays healthy and, and does what a lot of people think, 
they're going to be in a position to win the Super Bowl. So I got to ask you about Nick Foles, because obviously the big debate last year was Nick Foles versus Carson Wentz. I know which side you're on, so I'm going to allow you to double down on that if you want. But let me put it this way. I won't say the Super Bowl, because we're talking about, you know, overall talent of the team for the Eagles. I get it. They got great weapons. It's the best weapons that Carson Wentz has ever had. So I get that part. That part. But let's let's dial it back to maybe the playoffs. Is Nick Foles not as good as you made him out to be if the Jaguars don't make the playoffs? Oh, I like that. Um, <laughs> no, no, I don't think so, because I, I don't think the Jaguars have as, as much as the Eagles. I mean, the, the team, the, the construction of the team is a huge part of this, and we know that. You mentioned Brady or Mahomes or whoever. Like, it's, it's not yeah. just quarterback. I mean, that, that's obvious. I, I do think Foles will, will make a difference in Jacksonville, and I think they're going to be in the mix because the offense should be better, and we'll see if the personalities match and he helps there. But is, is Nick Foles as good as I made him out to be? Here's, I'll, I'll throw one back at you. Okay. This was my point at the end of last year. Like, if we're talking about overall skill set, if we're talking about age, upside, arm strength, Carson checks most of the boxes if it's, a, it's apples to apples comparison. But I go back to last year, and really, you could go back to when, when Nick kind of took over when Carson got hurt in 2017. If you just compare Nick Foles then from when he got in the game in Los Angeles in 2017 through the playoffs, through the Super Bowl, and I'll throw in the first couple games last year when he wasn't good and the Eagles weren't good against Atlanta and Tampa, and then you mm-hmm. ride out the end of the season with Nick. So you add up all those Nick Foles games, which admittedly it's a disjointed sample because of the way and when he got to play. If you add up yeah. all those Nick Foles games, and then you look at Carson Wentz's run to start the 2017 season, where he was, if not the MVP, obviously right there. If you add the, if you look at them next to each other, the numbers are, are not much different. There's a couple areas where Carson is better, a couple areas where Nick is better, the overall performance of the team. It's pretty close. So my argument last year was, what's going on here? It's either the Eagles are so loaded, it's either Doug is that great, it's either Carson is not as good as we think, or Nick is better. And I don't know if, if any of us have the true answer, but the, the, the facts are the facts. Those, those games that Nick played compared to the games Carson excelled, the re- the results are pretty similar, and that and that's true. And you bring and you bring up Doug like we can context this thing to death, and we could compare stats, and the analytics kind of favor Wentz in that way. But when you look at like the box score stats, and, and we've talked about box score scouting on this feed before, but if you do look at the the box score stats, they're pretty similar, and you can't really argue when Foles is at the top of his game, the results that the Eagles have gotten have been very good. And I'm going to transition to this into more of kind of like a joking question here, but I crowdsourced some questions from the BGN crew and BLG, may he forever reign, wanted to ask you directly, how are you so anti-Wentz while also being pro-Kapler? That's not the same audience. The biggest Foles lovers also hate Kapler. It's the same angry sports radio caller. How do you respond to BLG? (laughs) Uh, That's a good question. Um, I actually, it's funny. So, Sometimes I get I get calls who and people are mad at me and, and they're like, I don't understand. How do you how do you beat on Wentz all the time but you like Gabe Kaplan? So it, it is funny how and I'm like and I sometimes I I have to take a step back. I'm like, what does Gabe Kaplan have to do with this conversation? Like, Carson Wentz is the Eagles quarterback. He's the manager of the baseball team. It's, it's, I don't know. I think it has to do with the analytics and stuff. Like I'm not sure. So yeah, I'm I'm a big analytics guy. So I, I'm a big Kaplan guy. And plus, I just I, I just gravitate towards people that like to do it differently. I guess that's just, that's the way I am. So like Dave Kapler from the jump, I, I was on board with him. And then I think he's a good manager and what he does. So I've just stayed on board. And it's funny. I don't think I'm anti-win. I just think I am 
Like when people ask me what, what I think he is, I say he's a good quarterback. He's a chance to be an excellent quarterback. I'd rank him right now 10, 11, around there in the NFL, heading into 2019. Right. But when people call me, they're like, you always say Wentz is bad. I've never <laughs> said Carson Wentz is bad. I don't think he's bad. I just and I don't think he's as good as, as some people do. Okay, so so that's fair. Now, now this is this is another question. Are you jumping on the Nate Sudfeld is elite bandwagon if Carson sputters out the gate? Are you are you taking that opportunity to make the backup quarterback the most popular person in town as is apt to happen? No, I mean, I mean, unless Carson <laughs> is, is bad, like uh, it, it, yeah. it's still. I mean, they just paid him. He's their guy. They have to. Get, I mean, I think one of the most important things this year is for Carson Wentz to reestablish what he is. And, and like I say this all the time, you know, he's had Carson Wentz has had wide variance. We talk about him because he's the Eagles quarterback, and if there's this body of information on him, you know, like he's Philip Rivers or Ben Roethlisberger or Tom Brady, there's not. Like he's had three seasons in the NFL. We know some of it has been mistimed, but even without that, his first year in the NFL. Context is he was a rookie and he had no weapons, but the reality was he's probably around the, I don't know, 20th best quarterback in the league as a rookie. He had rookie struggles for sure. Right. He exploded in his second year and he's a top five quarterback in his second year, regardless of where you want to put him in that top five. And last year, I'm comfortable saying he was below 10. Maybe he was 12 or 13 and all of that is context, but the reality is three years, three different seasons and there's just wide variance. So I think a huge thing for him and for the Eagles this year it's to establish what he is, like to reestablish. Is he a top 10 quarterback and he's going to float in that range for his whole career, which would be great. Is he less or is he going to go back and be an MVP? So, yeah, no, I'm not going to jump on the Sudfeld thing because <laughs> the Eagles need Carson. They committed to him and they need him to establish what he is so they know and, and so and really so I know moving forward is it a big thing for you to see Carson in the playoffs would that be a a, a good sample for you just because we haven't seen him in the playoffs yet we don't know what type of quarterback he is in the playoffs and some quarterbacks are are better than others we saw Jerry Goff last year and even though the Rams went to the playoffs he was bad in the playoffs are you worried about that at all with Carson is that something that you're waiting to see before you really put your stamp on your take on him yeah and look uh, also on this and look there's some weird names that are part of this if you go find the list because of injury but in this decade, which is now pretty much over, first-time playoff quarterback. So that, that could mean a rookie or it could mean a guy like Carson, who for whatever reason, mm -hmm. heading into year four, hasn't played in it. The first time a, a quarterback plays in the playoffs in this decade, and there's been some good ones, there's been not so good ones, but they're 9-14. and 14. So at least the last 10 years, the, the, the numbers say, you're probably not going to win that first game. You know, Andrew Luck lost his first one and on and on. So... Yeah, I mean, he might have to get a playoff loss out of the way. I hope he doesn't. But, yes, I need to see him in the playoffs. And just so – I think it's important for him, too. I, I think that there's got to be some doubt in his mind if, if for some reason he doesn't start a playoff game this year. It either means he didn't play well enough, the team stunk around him, or – you know, or there's another injury to talk about. So I'm glad we're able to have this open discussion about Wentz because you do bring up some good points. And you've said a lot lately that the Philadelphia media has gone soft, that the Philadelphia football fans have gone soft since the Super Bowl, that they can't handle takes anymore. It's all about thirst. And, and I'll tell you this. I, I agree with this to an extent. The thirst sometimes is just it's too much and people need to take it down a notch. I'm with you there. But dialing into a specific person You've said that it's impossible to criticize Howie Roseman anymore, that you'll just be met with, well, I'm glad you're not the GM and those typical you know, type of comments. And you're saying that in the same framework that you say that the media and the fans have gone soft. Now, I hear you, but here's my question. I guess it's 
more of a take. Maybe it's thirst. It's, it's, it's probably thirst. But Joe Giglio is mad at Howie Roseman because Howie Roseman is so good at his job that he's become the Teflon take target. And because of that, he's devalued the currency that is takes in the local economy of Philadelphia. Is there any truth to that, Joe? Uh, you know what? That hit me. That hit me in the gut. Yeah, maybe there's some truth. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the funny part of, of the Howie take is that for years before they won the Super Bowl, now I started doing uh, you know my show full-time in November of the Super Bowl year. So I, I wasn't on a lot during the, the lean Howie years or the, the years where yeah. Howie was down. I mean, I, I did part-time shows and overnight stuff, but, but I was always a Howie supporter. That's what I find funny about it. I always supported him. I didn't want him demoted. I, I liked Howie, and I thought he was smart, and it always bothered me. People said he wasn't a football guy. And it, it's just it shifted so far the other way that I just find it amazing that no matter what he does, because they won the Super Bowl, I, I really think he'd go out and get the worst player in the NFL, or you know, whoever would be deemed that, and they were like, "Well, it's a good contract," or "Well, he structured it well." Like, it, do- it doesn't even matter. And this offseason, look, he put together a good team. He filled some holes. They have explosiveness on offense, and and he really put together something that's, that Carson should be able to thrive in offensively. But they are old. I mean, they're an older team, and they don't have great pass rush depth. Both of those things are are just true, and yet you say them, and it's like. Leave him alone. He won the Super Bowl. He's Howie Rose. Yeah, maybe it's because I can't take on Howie anymore. It's frustrating. And I think part of it has to do with we do this with players too that won the Super Bowl with the Eagles. I mean, I wrote an article about Halapuli Vati Vaitai at one point after the Super Bowl saying, look, guys, this guy is not the answer long term. I don't care how he played because he actually played kind of bad in that stretch of the Super Bowl and got a lot of help. And I got a lot of people saying, well, he won a Super Bowl. Well, Vitae had to be so bad in the preseason, like last year, just getting whooped for anybody to really just kind of be like, okay, maybe, maybe he isn't that guy. So Howie has to reach that low level because of what he's accomplished for us to be able to say anything about him. But at the same, at the same time, it's frustrating. I'm sure it's frustrating for you because a lot of people, even outside of Philadelphia, several respected analysts outside of Philadelphia are billing this roster as at least a top three roster. So it really is hard to kind of like go after anything he does. Like, I think the biggest thing I can say is, you know, you mentioned the pass rush. I think that's correct. I could point to like Corey Graham being a terrible si- uh, signing, but there isn't anything egregious in my opinion with him, which makes him so hard to come at. And I think that's might be what frustrating you as a takesman. Yeah. Uh, let me, let me throw one at you. Um, I'm going to yeah. throw something that Howie and the Eagles did this off season. And, I will I will hedge it by saying I understand what they're doing. Like I get it, but I do mm. think that Howie Roseman and the Eagles this offseason, by committing to Carson Wentz and more more than the idea of it, but the act of it, I feel like this offseason they didn't use their greatest strength one more time. Which which in the NFL today, your greatest strength is still having the rookie quarterback for as cheap as you can have him for as long as you can have him. I know how he structured the deal. In a certain way, mm. it's not like they're paying him twenty-five million this year. I realize that it's still a pretty low number, and it will be next year. But they still have extra cap room this year. They're rolling it over to next year. I would imagine with the idea of Carson's money in mind, like like they're thinking about this long term and short term, and they wanted to commit to Wentz. But like I feel like they didn't go all in on this roster like they could have. Like with another defensive end, I just thought like they wanted to have their cake, which was build championship caliber roster and eat it too which was commit to Carson pay him and and try to get ahead of 
you know, a Dak deal or a Goff deal, which I, I, I totally think is, in that sense, smart because you know, he might be cheaper than both those guys when it's all said and done. But what do you think about that? Do you think they could have done more to this roster and kind of either push the Carson thing back or try to do the Carson thing and add more to the roster? It's an interesting question because there's two aspects to this, and there's actually a current event thing going on right now that I can touch on. But I was surprised when they didn't take the money from the new contract and put it onto this year. Instead, they decided to roll over some, some of the money into next right. year. So maybe that doesn't matter too much. But I thought like some of that back-end money was going to be really front-loaded to protect them later on in the contract. I thought they were going to do maybe not a better job, but a different way of constructing And before that. you go on, I, I, before you go on, I thought the same thing, which is why I was kind of saying, I had heard in March, Dave Spadaro came to uh, one of our WIP um, Birds Town Hall, and he kind of threw in, and, you know, one of the priorities of this offseason is extending Carson Wentz. And at that point, it was kind of newsworthy, um, because I don't think we were sure that was going to happen. So what you were saying... Mm-hmm. That's what I was kind of thinking all off Like, oh, they aren't signing another defensive end. Oh, they're trading away Michael Bennett's money. The reason is they're going to stop right. $25 million of Carson's whatever contract into this year, and they didn't do that. Yeah, it, it was really surprising to me. And I, I think I look at it now, and you see someone like an interior defensive lineman like Mike Daniels, and look, we don't know what's going on with term, Timmy Jernigan's health, you know, 100% or anything like that, but you look at a, a really, really good player like Mike Daniels out there on the market from Green Bay. He gets released today, and I'm thinking – we have cap space. Why can't we go out? I understand why we don't go after guys like Jadavion Clowney who are going to want long-term money and would just be like a high-priced rental that that, that contract's not going to work for Clowney. But somebody like Mike Daniels who wants to go to a Super Bowl winner, that's the kind of guy I think they, they should attack. I don't know if they will or not. We'll see. But I agree with you that they could have done more with the money this year. So I'm with you on that. So you, you've taken me out of my comfort zone, Joe. You have allowed me to criticize Howie Roseman here on BGN. Oh, I'm no. Sure Hopefully no one's listening to this one. So going outside of the Eagles for the rest here, we see a lot of this in the, in the mentions on Twitter, especially when you specifically fire off a, a juicy take. Do you think sports radio gets a bad rap for maybe being too incendiary with their takes? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, there's no question. I mean, the people on Twitter or any social media platform, Reddit, whatever, they fire off takes all the time, and yet someone on sports radio does, and it's like, ah, oh, you know, what if this is ruining sports? And <laughs> the funny part is, because people always tweet me, or, or I see people tweet my coworkers saying, well, if you don't love this player, or you, you, you don't want to say great things to this player, why are you even working on, on Philly Radio? And, <laughs> like, first of all, if we all, if we all thought the same thing, no one yeah. would listen, and, and some of it is, like we all realize that deep down, but some of it is just is the truth. And when you hop on the air, you're just going to say what you feel. And like, if we all just said, all right, Carson's back MVP and they're going 14 and two. And then throughout the phone number, like wow, <laughs> no one, no one would want to participate in the conversation. So like I, I, people complain, but yet I, I do think people enjoy, even though they say they don't when, you have in the discussion and there's two sides to it and then someone jumps in with their opinion on it. I, I think people like it and don't want to admit they like that kind of content, whether it's radio or, or whatever. Yeah, it wouldn't do so well if it wasn't. I mean, there are a couple main things because I'm fairly new to media. I've only been doing this a couple of years, but some of the main things I've learned since I've started doing this is nobody cares if you're right. That goes for like, for me, for like pre-draft grades or like takes about quarterbacks. No one cares eventually. The second thing is not having a take is boring. Like I, I pride myself on providing context and being able to break down film and explain the how and the why. But at the end of the day, if you don't have a take, 
there's something missing from your product and you have to have the balls to face the backlash, which is something that I really appreciate about you, Joe, because you seem to take just all of it in stride. And, and last question here. Do you have a non-sports take today or are you keeping that that you keeping that scorcher in the holster for the next art of the take? Because it's been a while. It has. Um, I remember what happened last couple of weeks. Oh, we had July 4th and then uh, oh, Spike asked me was a coward who went on a vacation last week, so we couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> because he wasn't around. I'm going to save my non-sports take for, uh, for this week's pod, which we're doing on Friday. But uh, the, okay. la- the last thing, just to follow up on, on what we were talking about, um, just about sports radio or opinions, two things jump out to me that I always find funny. One, and it's the line from Colin Coward, which when I first started doing this, I wanted to be right all the time. And then I, mm-hmm. at some point, I don't know when it was, but I heard him say this, and I, I think it's, it's good. Like, his job, and the reason people listen to him or get annoyed at him, isn't because he's right or wrong. It's because he's interesting. He's trying to do an interesting show and make you think. If you hate him, you hate him. Like yeah. him, you like him. But that's his job. And I, I think that is the right way to do it. And the second part you mentioned, no one remembers if you're right. The, the funniest thing is, no one. as time goes on, people forget what you used to think about something if you change your mind. Like, it's all so <laughs> short-term. So, like, the 2017 Eagles, I, I was early on that team. And I, I was saying, like, week four or five, like this team is the best in the NFL. Like they're really good. They're blowing out teams. And I kept tweeting that year, the Eagles are the best team in the NFL. And early in the year, I would get tweets back from, you know, non-Eagles fans saying, oh, you're just a homer, just a homer. And mm-hmm. now, now whenever I have an opinion that is, is not something like that, it's like, you hate the Eagles and you're always negative. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't matter what I said about it that, that then, because now this is what I have apparently. Yeah, I mean, it, no matter what you say, you tweet something out, you have a take, you put it out on the air, you're either confirming a bias for somebody or you're stating something that's inconvenient that they don't want to believe <laughs> regardless of the evidence or how it plays out. Like, we're not changing anybody's minds in the moment, you know what I mean? So it's it's really tough in that way. But like you said, I mean, the, the, the main part, I want to be informative or anything like that. I want to be interesting too. You have to have interesting takes and that's, and that's part of it. And sometimes you have to go out on a limb and if everybody had the same opinion about everything, there would be no reason for any of this. So <laughs> Joe, I really do appreciate you taking the, the time to talk with me today. I love your work. Uh, always have a good time talking with you. Would you let the listeners know where they can find you, where they can find all your work? Sure. Um, evening show on 94 WIP. You can, you can find it on uh, the radio.com app and the Art of the Tape podcast is where you can find, uh, well, podcasts all about takes and at Joe Julio Sports <laughs> if you want to uh, find my takes and roast me for them on Twitter. <laughs> Thanks again, Joe. Anytime, Mike. Brian, football is in the air, brother. How you doing, man? I am really great. I'm so glad that football season <laughs> is finally back. It seems like it's been so long. I know. I know. And look, I, I can't wait for it either. Training camp is starting up for the Eagles. But before we get to some of that, word on the street is that you've got your hands in some football-related business. What do you have going on with FanDuel? You're absolutely right. I, I partnered with FanDuel, and they're launching their new sportsbook app in Pennsylvania. They started already, and so... Now people have the ability to bet and wager on sports, basketball, football, women's, whatever it is, um, right there on your app. FanDuel has made it very easy and very convenient to be able to do it from home, to be able to do it from work or wherever you're at as long as you still have your phone. So it's been really, really cool, really, really convenient. And it also allows you to stay um, stay connected to the game, so it's pretty cool. What attracted you to this partnership with FanDuel? Well, one of the things I've done is you're right, keeping staying active with sports and things like that. I I partner also with a venture capital firm called uh, Seventy Six Capital, 
and we invest primarily in sports tech companies and companies that are giving the analytics to teams and to the managers and things like that to make sure that they're getting the best and finding out all the information that they can find out about their players. And so that is a big part of it. And then with that, with uh, 76 Capital, we also are looking into um, gambling and, and being able to uh, place a wager on a, on a specific sport and be able to go out there and, and watch your team win or lose or whatever it is <laughs> and hopefully win a couple bucks as well. So, Brian, a lot of people currently use FanDuel for daily fantasy as well. And with what's going on with the running back room for the Eagles, if I had to play one of the Eagles running backs throughout the season, who do you think it is carries the majority of the load for them? Well, I, I know that they like Jordan Howard. That's why they went out there and got him. But I think Miles Sanders, as the season goes on, will be much more of the primary running back. Mm-hmm. He obviously still remains to be seen. He didn't participate very much during many camps because of a hamstring. But I, I still think that over time, he'll be the guy that's going to get most of the carries and most of the touches out of the backfield as long as he, he can learn the blocking protections and things like that. And that's going to be you know, known right after uh, camp and, and we'll find out uh, during these preseason games. Yeah, and that's interesting because he doesn't have a whole lot of experience with pass protections and everything like that. How much does it hurt him that sure. he misses camp? How hard is that for a rookie to pick up? Well, it's tough because, you know, you it's one thing to learn it in the classroom and on the boards and things like that, but going out there and doing it when you have live people coming at you is totally different. <laughs> and trying to figure out and learn during camp when you're exhausted and when you have a lot of other things going on is even more uh, difficult. And so it's going to be tough for him, but I think Deuce Daly, one of the best running backs, coaches in the league, uh, will make sure that he's up to up to par and Gavin ready uh, for the season. So, Brian, with, with training camp starting today, do you miss it or are you more relieved that this isn't day one for you of getting, like, beat up for the next several months? <laughs> <laughs> um, I... I do not miss training camp one bit. I mean, there's a lot of people that miss it. I do not miss it at all. I, I, I miss payday. Definitely do not miss training camp. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So, uh, Brian, expectations are really high for this Eagles team, as they were for a lot of Eagles teams when you played. How do you manage that pressure coming into the season? Well, I think that you try to compartmentalize as much as you can, and you just stay focused. And the things you want to focus on is getting better every single day at practice, getting a little bit better at film, getting a little bit better in the weight room. And at the end of the day, um, if, if you just focus on getting better every single day, when you, when you, when you tally things up and then towards the end of the season, you have a pretty decent group of work that, you, that you've presented and that you've done. And for me, it was always just staying focused and not trying to look outside of myself, but just staying focused on improvement and getting, getting better daily, and that was uh, my major, major focus. As as a fan, put on your fan hat right now, what are your personal expectations for this team in 2019? Well, I, you know, it'll be a lot of the team on the health of the quarterback, and if Carson can stay upright and healthy, I think this is an 11-12 win football team. Um, a lot of that is, is kind of flexible because, you know, you have an offensive line that's getting a little bit older. Yeah, you, you have a, two young running backs that are brand new um, to your system. And you also have uh, a quarterback that has to remain healthy. I mean, he has to be able to do that. And if you all those things go right, I think they win 12 games. Um, if some of those things go wrong, 
then it gets a little bit ugly in Philadelphia. And we're, they're not in the situation that I think everyone is looking forward to them being in. As, as long as you get into the playoffs, right, as long as you get there healthy and on a roll, is that the most important thing rather than maybe trying to secure home field advantage? Or like, what do you look for when you look for a successful team as they get into the playoffs? What's the key? Well, I think home field advantage is huge. I mean, having the ability to, to play at home. Uh, I look at the Eagles Super Bowl run. Yeah. If they play Minnesota on the road, I think that's a totally different game even though you have the same te- two teams playing. So I think um, having home field advantage and having that ability to sleep in your own bed and play in front of your own fans is huge. Yeah, that's a good point. Before you go, Brian, one more time for the gentle listeners, would you tell them how they can get in on this sweet FanDuel action? Well, it's pretty cool. And, and FanDuel has done a great job. They actually have um, $500 risk-free play for, for new users. And so if you sign up, You'll get risk-free play in $500, which is pretty cool. All they have to do is sign up and go to the FanDuel Sportsbook app, and they'll have all the information right there. And it'll, it'll be a great opportunity for them to participate and have some fun. Excellent. I appreciate your time today, Brian. You have a good one, okay? Thank you now. Take care. Thank you. Thank you.